Cormeggi's been one of my favorite artists for as long as I can remember. I've always appreciated his depth and outlook on life. As Cormega continues to release music, he's only getting better. On December 26th, the Mega dropped the Mega EP, a five-song project produced entirely by Street Runner. In this interview, we chop it up about the EP, our book project, understanding the true meaning, and more. Stay up with Mega through his social media, the links are in the interview, to support what's coming out, and of course, stream the Mega EP as often as possible. So Mega, thanks for doing this, man. You know, all these years we've been talking... And every time we always start a conversation, one of the first things you always ask me is, you know, how's the kids doing? How's the family? And what I appreciate about that is you're one of the only dudes who actually does that. And when you ask that, man, it's like you genuinely care, man. So first off, I just want to say thanks for always doing that. And, you know, is that just something that you've always done? Is that like, where's that come from? You have to know your personnel. It's like from knowing people. If you don't, if you don't have kids, I wouldn't ask you that. You know what I'm saying? So I know you and I guess it's just a, a human courtesy, like I'm not. Some people in the industry they're robotic, like they do interviews because they're trying to sell a product or, you know, it's part of an assembly line and that's it. Like they don't care about nothing else. They don't care about the people. They don't care about nothing else. Like you gotta have a have a concern about everything that goes on around you. So I try to, you know, let the human factor take over. So it's the human factor that's reaching out. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? No doubt, man. And you dropped Mega a day after Christmas, which is a nice little after Christmas present for everybody who celebrates Christmas. And also, you know, EPs are something you said that you wanted to get into. You know, what, what about the EP and dropping Mega was important to you? My goal was to, to make um, something really special for the fans. You know, I've always wanted to do an EP for years, for years. And, you know, just recently the opportunity presented itself where there was no politics involved and no roadblocks or, you know what I'm saying? So I just made it happen and um very happy with the outcome. Why did you always want to do an EP? What about the EP is is appealing to you? I mean, I think it's short and sweet and it's to the point. And it's like some artists out of my, they did one. I mean, the, the first EP that ever caught my attention was Ice Cube did one back in the days. And um, and I know that Stevie Wonder did a couple too, you know what I mean? So it's like, wow. So it's like, as an artist, sometimes you got to challenge yourself or push yourself to do, you know, things that you might not necessarily do. So that's that's one of my, uh, that was on my to-do list. Now the next challenge is a double album. Now that's going to be a big challenge. That's going to be huge because I mean, you're you're someone too who who's always had a lot to talk about and a lot of different concepts and ideas. So, did you find the EP was limiting in any sense because you only you only had but so much time to really get to it and and talk about you couldn't talk about everything probably that was on your mind. I think the EP covers so much ground that it really didn't matter like I've never had people contact me and saying that my music made them cry. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they were so, so the fans were so emotionally involved with this project. Like the, the feedback I've gotten from this is like amazing. Like, so I think we covered a lot of ground. Definitely. And, 
through social media, especially Instagram, it seems like your fans have really connected with you over the mega EP as well. Yeah, for sure. My inbox was like super flooded. Like it's ridiculous. Like I'm just um I'm just really in awe and appreciative to my fans for this for this moment. And it seems to like your fans really appreciate the physical version too, because I've seen a lot of cool pictures of fans with the physical version too. So, you know, how important was it for you to provide that physical product to your fans? Because whether you're doing vinyl or CDs or the book or clothing, it seems like it sells pretty quickly. Well, that's definitely something I'm happy about. And um, I've been fortunate to have those great fans for me to, you know, to move the product the way that I'm moving it. So that's that's all of um, the fans. I, I'm, I'm at their mercy. And it seems like you have a lot of interactions with them through the comments section and that, that you read everything that goes up on your, page, on your pages. Well, I try to. Sometimes I might not be able to, but I definitely try to engage with the... Um, with the fan and know what's going on in their mind, know what they like and know what they dislike. Cause at the end of the day, they could, they control your, uh, they control your legacy, you know? So I know if I'm doing music and they approve of it, I know I have to continue that. But I know if I do something, they don't like it, then I won't do that again. So fans are very important. I think, I don't, I don't understand why more artists don't do it, but fuck it. I'm going to do it. Definitely. You know, how much of what you do and, and the moves you make, when you when you make those moves, are you thinking about your legacy and how that how you're gonna be remembered? When I'm creating music, I'm thinking about legacy. But I'm also thinking about consistency. Yeah, I guess it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah, when I'm creating music, I'm thinking about legacy the most. When I'm creating, when I'm doing other things, maybe it's, it's a part of strategy to market or something else. I'm not thinking like that. But when it comes to creating music, I want something, I want a body of work I could be proud of. And if you're not proud of it, we're not going to hear it. Yeah, that's a fact. No doubt, man. So going with Street Runner for an EP, I think I think it worked really well, but I do think it was a surprise. And looking at Street Runner's discography and your discography, it's not like a pairing that I would have said, oh yeah, Street Runner, Cormega, it's going to work, but it did. What made you go with Street Runner for this? And and how did you guys even cross paths? I respect him as a producer and he respects me as an MC and he wanted to work with me. So, and I wanted to work with him. And that's when it's the best, when people want to work with you, not because they work with you because they have to or because they're trying to fulfill a, 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 a money monetary obligation. You know what I'm saying? It's like when people genuinely respect what each other bring to the table and they and they put it forward. The chemistry is usually something that's amazing. So I met him uh at a at a beat seminar, ironically, and um you know, once he was introduced to me, I was like, Oh wow Okay, this is um. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, we kicked it and uh, we exchanged numbers and we just, you know, we stayed in touch with each other and we just made it, made it happen. Looking at what he's done in his discography, I feel like he really came into your world on this one. Um, 
Well, I think Streetrunner is the type of producer that he could do pretty much any kind of production. Because he's worked with street artists before. So this was just like a special moment. It was just like I can't even find the right words for him. I'm just so happy, you know, and um, grateful to Streetrunner for the effort he put forward. What was your collaborative process like as you put Mega together? Well, I have a system. It's like I screen the beats. And once I screen the beat, if a beat grabs me, then I know I want to use that beat. So he's been sending me beats for a while, and I just picked the ones that I like or the ones that I felt fit because there was something that I liked that just didn't fit what we're trying to do. So if I get a if I get production and it moves me and it, it makes me want to write or it pushes me to write and create, then our job is pretty much done because I'm going to knock it out. How do you think your ear for beats has changed over the years? I don't know. That's 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 a heavy question. I think I, I think I I just pick good music. I don't I don't put a name on it. I just follow my instinct when it comes to, to to picking beats. I don't I don't follow names. A lot of times people follow names, and they end up losing because you follow the name and then you just accept whatever that name person gave you because he didn't want to work that hard. So if it's dope, I went in. Whenever I hear something beautiful or something dope, production-wise, gets my attention. On Say No More, you say how a thorough thinker has great respect for preparation. What do you do when you prepare to start a project? Um, when I prepare to start a project, the first thing I do is um, figure out where I want to go, what direction I want to take the project in. Um, and I figure out the producers that I want to work with for the project. Unless it's one producer, then I, you know, if it's one producer, then I figure out what direction we're going to take it in. And if it's going to be various producers, then I figure out which producers fit the project. And so with a project like this and working with Street Runner, when you got all those beats and you're kind of figuring out which beats are going to work, were you already sequencing them in your head? Like, how is this beat going to play off of this beat? Or were you thinking more just like big picture, how they're all going to sound together? Well... When I get when I get production from um, producers, I don't look at I don't look at the whole I don't look at the whole um, the whole picture yet. I take it song by song, and then I build it. For, like the first song is always one of the most important songs because as soon as you knock up the first song, then 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 it's like a puzzle. Like you put that first piece down, and you have to build around that. So once the first song is out the way, especially if it's a really good song. Then it's like, okay, the next song has to be just as good as this, if not better. And then, um, you know, you want to, and then you want a production that's just as good as not better. So the first song is always the one that sets, you know, that, 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 that builds the project for me. So what was the first song for Mega? The first song that I wrote to for this was uh, Live Your Best Life. And did you know Havoc was going to be on that at the time, or did you just write it as a solo song? When I wrote it, um, I knew Marv Deep would sound amazing on it. In my mind, I said Marv Deep would sound really good on this. So I reached out to Prodigy also. And um, 
Actually, I think I said to Prodigy first. And um, Prodigy had the beat. And then... Um, after that... I Alright, so I sent this on to Prodigy. Because I knew it would be a good Mob Deep record, right? And then... Um, I sent it to Jada Kiss. Because me and Jada Kiss were talking about doing a... Uh, 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 um, a song for a while, and I sent it to uh, Nipsey Hussle. You know what I'm saying? That's and it. I let them know, like, you know, um, Prodigy's going to be on this record, like, you know, like, that I had intended to put Prodigy on that record, right? So then, um, after a while, I started realizing, like, If I'm just making a Mob Deep record, it'll make more sense because um, I haven't done a Mob Deep record in mad years. It's been a while since I've did, done a Mob Deep record. So that, and also because, you know, because of our schedules and, and, and uh, time schedules, like the other artists that I sent it to, they didn't, they didn't send it back in time. So I said, fuck, I'm just going to make it a Mob Deep record. And then um, Havoc sent me the verse. And then um, Prodigy never got to finish, obviously, because he died. So when uh, around the time Prodigy died, I just sat on the song like, wow. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then... um. I said, fuck it. I'll just do it with me and have it. You know what I'm saying? So that's the first song. That's how, that's how that song came about. How has your relationship with Havoc grown over the years? Because, I mean, you guys go way back to the, you know, when you, when you first started. I wouldn't say our relationship has grown. I mean, our relationship is, 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 is what it's always been. We got, you know, we have a great understanding. So it's just like my relationship with my brother hasn't grown. It's my brother. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's no, there's no place for us to grow in a relationship. There's no place for us to grow as artists. But as far as our relationship, that's my man. And he's always been my man. So, you know, um, it was an honor to have him on, on the album, on the EP. And, and it got to a point where I, where I only want one person on this EP. It's the EP. I'm not going the lazy way out and a bunch of features on the EP. That's corny and that's lazy. So I said, of all the people that I could put on this EP, of all the people that I could only choose one person, who would it be? And it was happy. You know, you also talk, though, on Live Your Best Life about how you've seen the valleys and peaks, but you keep rising. When you look at that, what keeps you motivated and resilient in the game today? My legacy, my children, my fans, and knowing that I've been underrated for most of my career. So the people that are underrated, they have to work even harder for, for recognition. Because once it's over, you know what I'm saying, once you stop, it's like, will your name echo? Will your name echo or will it just disappear into the air? So those are the things that keep me 
keep me going. And I have and I have a confidence about myself that I know what I'm capable of. And I honestly believe that I didn't even scratch the surface yet. So when I did this EP, the reaction I got from the fans and the public is just amazing. So do you feel like do you feel like you're getting your just due, or do you feel like it should be more? I feel like with this project right here, I think I think I left a serious impression on a lot of people with this project. Um, who am I to say there should be more? Like, if I say there should be more recognition for me, then that's speaking from the ego. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever position you're in, that's the position you're in, and you just have to deal with it. So I'm not one of these type of artists that's going to say, oh, I should get more, or it is what it is. Whatever it is, I'm just going to make the best of whatever it is. But in my heart of hearts, I know I'm just as good as anybody far as skill wise. I don't want to stick toe to toe because I don't I don't want to look like I'm competing with people. But I just 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 say I I feel like I feel like I'm elite as a as a lyricist. Do you think that like streaming services and just the fact that so much music is now going towards like Apple Music and Spotify and ser YouTube services like that, do you feel like that's increasing your exposure to to fans or do you feel like that's like, do you see a difference, and do you, do you feel like that increases your fan base being on all those services? I think it might. I don't. I don't know yet. I haven't seen the data behind that, but I know it definitely exposure. The, the more resources to expose you to an artist or something, the better. You know what I'm saying? Only thing is, economically, sometimes, sometimes it might not be beneficial economically because you know some of these streaming sites, the uh, the splits, the revenue splits is terrible <laughs> with some of them. But at the same time, you got to take what you get. And uh, it's like you got to take the bitter with the sweet. The revenue is going to be the bitter part. The sweet part is the visibility that you get and then and, and some of the exposure. So you just got to take that exposure and, run and do the best with it and do more, you know? So that's that. No doubt. I do know. I, I I actually do think that those things are beneficial because think about it. Like I'm a I'm an artist from America, but right now, if you look at the, my messages from the fans, there's people from Australia, England, Germany, Africa. I'm getting messages from people all over the world. So if it wasn't for these streaming, you know, uh, the digital platform has definitely made it easier for people around the world to get music as opposed to back in the days when it was like they just had to go to the store for the CD and sometimes your CD wasn't in that area at that store. So it's like, yo, I couldn't get the mega thing because my store didn't have it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when you look at mega, what was the most challenging song for you to write on this? On everything, I try. Like the complexity of the lyrics. It was a conceptual. It's like I'm saying I try, but, you know, I started out the, I started out with I try, and then the next verse started out with I try, and then during the verse I probably said it again, and then it's like I'm breaking down situations and narratives and thoughts. So that was definitely the most, and the, and the production on there was also um like um sophisticated. It was complicated. It was hard, it, it wasn't easy to rhyme on that because there's a lot of changes in the production, like. That's one thing about Street Runner and, and um, Tariq Azul's, like, 
they produce records. They don't just sample records and say, okay, this is the song. Like, they really produce it. So there's a lot put into it, production-wise. Um, the sound of it. And it, being that there were changes in the sound, sometimes that's, that makes it difficult, too. So that was definitely the most difficult song for me. And it was a, it was a, it was a um, experiment, actually. When I did it, it was just an experiment. And I was hoping people like it, but the outcome came out. You know, the outcome is definitely um, beautiful. Like, people definitely appreciate the song. Definitely. Are you overall satisfied with the feedback you've gotten to the project? Uh, hell yeah. Like, this is some of the best feedback that I've ever gotten in my career. Like, seriously, like, this, this is some of the best feedback I've ever gotten. Period. Like, it's like, uh, I can't even explain it. It's definitely some of the, it's, it's, I'm, 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 um, I'm blown away by some of the feedback. I've had people tell me it broke from the test. So when you look at that, does that make you, because you're, you're not one to really repeat and do the same thing twice, but does that, does that make you want to work more with Street Runner or look at doing more EPs in the future, like based on the feedback you're getting? I don't know getting? if I want to do another EP, because the EP was a goal that I wanted to, to do, and I achieved it. So I don't know if I want to do another EP now. I'll stick to the albums. I'm not going to never say I, I will never ever do one again, but I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say that I'm not going to do any more EP. But um, as far as working with Street Runner, of course, this, this inspired me to want to do a whole album with him. Because you think about it, I did five songs with him, and the feedback was, like, amazing. Put it like this. From the fans' perspective and from the listeners' perspective, there isn't a whack song on this project. Nobody said, I like these songs, but I don't like this song. Every song people like. And the thing that's beautiful is, it's not a consistent, it's not a consistent debate with people. Like sometimes you make a project and then, like say you make an EP with five songs and everybody likes the same song. So if everybody likes the one same song, then that's like, okay, that means these other four songs might not be that good or this one song is so, so good it, it outshines all the other songs. But on this project, on any given day, somebody will say, Empty Promises is their favorite song, which I definitely underestimate. So a lot of people say Empty Promises is their favorite song. A lot of people say Live Your Best Life is their favorite song. A lot of people say On Everything is their favorite song. And a lot of people say Genuine Article is their favorite song. That's all the songs except for Say No More, which is the intro. And I even got people liking that. So I think uh, I'm very happy with that. I, I'm I'm very happy with the outcome of this. Like, the outcome of this is like, this is the best feedback that I've got for an album in many years. That's great to hear. And I, I like the idea of how you started and ended the album with the same beat. You know, you look at Say No More to Empty Promises. What was your thinking behind that? What, what made you want to make that decision? It's like a movie. It's like you watch a movie and the music comes on. And when the movie ends, it's the same music, but it's just different. We just the beat is just slightly different at the the beat is different at the end. It got more more drums to it and it's more yeah. you know it's harder at the end. But I wanted to do it like the beginning and the end. I wanted to signify the beginning and the end. And I also wanted to remind people of it's like I'm taking you. It's like I came full circle because you remember with the testament 
when it started off with that poem at the beginning, that was the same beat as Love is Love. It was just very slow. It just didn't have all the instrumentation in it. So if you check out Testament and you listen to the, the first song and the last song, you'll notice the similarities in the production. So that's what I did here. No doubt. You know, I, I talked to Master Ace about this, and I think you're, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this idea, but how are you able to balance basically giving wisdom and life advice without coming across as heavy-handed or preachy? Because I think there's a fine line and a fine balance between doing too much and having just that right amount where fans can take something, but it doesn't feel like you're being like talked at or lectured. You know, how do you... It depends on, I think it depends on who the person is that's saying it. And it depends on the timing also. Because when I did uh, Mega Philosophy, I've had a person say I've sounded preachy on it. A person said that. Now, when this person said that, I was disgusted. I was... I wasn't... I don't want to use the word disgusted, but I definitely was uncomfortable hearing this person say it because he was an African-American and he was saying I sounded preachy. And if you listen to Megan Philosophy, I was talking about stuff that's happening wrong in the African community, African-American community. And the only song that a person could... And, 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 and then you got a song like Industry, but I'm talking about the fucked up stuff that happens in the industry to artists. So I didn't, I didn't understand where he was coming. I didn't understand his angle. And then now here we are, um, what, four years later, five years later, and if you listen to the average album that came out within, within the last um, four years, albums that made noise, they all have similar content to Mega Philosophy. You know what I'm saying? I was talking about the, the climate, the social climate, you know, the uh, racial e equality issues, um, um, industry issues. I was talking about life. A lot of people have made very successful albums with that same content. If you if you if you look at some of the top albums where people uh gravitate toward those albums and they got critical acclaim for the content, listen to the content, listen to the content and make a philosophy. So when I made this project, not one person came to me with that you sound so preachy stuff, because now I'm talking about my personal experience. I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm talking about, you know, me trying to excel. So this album was like a good vibe. This EP was a good vibe experience. So I think the reason I don't sound preachy to some is because I'm saying some shit that everybody can relate to. Even if you're not from the street, you can relate to this, the way I'm breaking it down. And I have the credibility to say it. Whereas some other people, they just talk just because they, you know, they talk that because they get uh, intoxicated off the sound of their own voice or off their own opinions. But I'm, I'm offering life experiences and I'm not pushing it on you. Can you talk about your writing process for Mega and how you went about actually writing the songs, you know, and um, if, any, if anything was different with how you wrote this time with how you've written in the past? Um, I don't know. I just... I think I write, I think the production brought out, if there's any Jefferson in me as an artist on this project, I don't even take credit for it. I have to get that credit to the producer and the co-producer. Like the production pushed me. You know what I'm saying? Havoc pushed me also because he, I heard his verse and I knew what I wanted to do. But I just try to, I try to outdo myself every time. Or I try to be consistent with myself. 
So my writing, I'm my I'm my own biggest critic. It's like and 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 this album, my mentality was on this project, I'm separating myself from my peers. Like a lot of artists that came out when I came out, they're content living off of off of their high of off of their peak. Whereas I don't off of their peak years. And I don't wanna live off off of uh what I did in the 90s or the early 2000s. Like, that's not a representation of who I am. I know that I have a lot to bring to the table right now. And that's what I did. I brought my food for thought to the table. Definitely. What about working with Domingo? Because you record at Domingo's studio, and so he hears everything you do, and you know he, the wealth of experience he has in the game. Does he ever give you any feedback or anything as you guys record and and? What's your, what's your? I didn't record everything at the, at, at the studio that me and Domingo use. I do, I do a bulk of my recording there, but that studio was out of commission for very long, so I had to go elsewhere to record some of my verses. Um, I recorded Live Your Best Life in Massachusetts, Cambridge, Massachusetts. I recorded. Uh, I don't even remember where I recorded. I tried at. I mean, on, on everything. I don't even remember where I recorded everything at, but yeah, usually when I'm in the studio with Domingo, yeah, he does give me advice, but not this project isn't one of the projects where, you know, like the Domingo question is, is irrelevant to this project. Yeah, I'll take it out. Yeah. But that's one of my friends. That's one of my good friends. A lot of stuff that I do, he is the, we, we, I, we do go to the same studio and he engineers for me too, actually. So... We support each other. What do you do as an MC to Mega just to make sure that you keep getting better and that you keep improving? I believe in myself. I push myself. I believe in myself. And I know that I haven't reached my peak yet. I know there's so much to me. Everybody knows each other better than we, better than the other people know them. You know what I'm saying? So I know what I'm capable of. I know what I want to do. And I know that in my heart, I know, like, every MC is supposed to feel like they're one of the best. That's just, it's just what it is. Like, it's just like being an athlete. You're supposed to feel like you're one of the best. You're supposed to have that confidence. But I believe, I believe in myself. My confidence is not ego-driven. It's really faith and belief-driven. So that's how I keep, you know, and I love, I get a thrill out of silence in the critics. That's what I love it. I love people that underestimated me. I love, I love that shit. I love silencing people that, that doubted me. I don't know why I love it so much, but I love that shit. I love it. I love that shit like I love summer. <laughs> it's a, that's, that's a good motivation to have, right? Yes, for sure. I love it. People that slept on me or people that tried to stop me in the past, I've lasted longer than, than their artists. Or I've lasted longer than the artists that was on their label and things of that nature. And I love it. It's almost like that's more motivating than getting praise, right? I like it all. I'll take it all. But the most, the most thing I love is when you make an album or you make a project and the fans love it, that's like... That's the ultimate reward right there. Because if you do this shit and you 
If you make an album and go platinum, but all the fans say that shit is trash, I don't understand how you can really enjoy that. It just becomes it just becomes one of those situations where you're just doing it for money. Yeah, no doubt. And then you see your CDs discounted and and basically being sold in used bins everywhere. And that is a fact. And you, I don't think you will ever see a cool mega project in a discount bin. I would hope not. And if man. you do, and if you do, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy. I'll, I'll, I'll sell it. I'll resell it. <laughs> so you know, a couple of years ago, we collaborated on understanding the true meaning, where you broke down your lyrics from the true meaning for its 15th anniversary and luckily we only have a few copies left but I wanted to ask you what was that process like for you going back and actually revisiting your lyrics and really analyzing it and breaking it down especially looking back after some time has passed since you wrote the album it was uh I don't know that's deep it was it was um it was definitely nostalgic and it was sometimes you read stuff that you wrote and, and it and it shows you your level of writing at that time so sometimes I read stuff and I'll be like wow like I, you know that was pretty good or sometimes I read stuff or hear stuff and I see where I where I could have been better so that experience was was rewarding because it, it, it was uh, nostalgic. And it took me to the places I were when I was recording or the people that was around during that time. Some of those people aren't even around anymore. You know what I'm saying? So it definitely was it was a good experience. No doubt. Did you notice anything that you had done on the album? Like, looking back, you're like, dang, I can't believe I did that. Or that was incredible. Like... Look what I did there. Like, were you impressed with your with your stuff that you had done? Yes, a song like Burgle Graffiti. It's hard not to be impressed. You know, or Therapy, which is a lot of people's one of a lot of people's favorite mega joints. Those type of songs are the songs like that I always uh keep it in the back of my mind like I need to do something like that again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's great to, to have that on record too and just, you know, to see your thoughts on the, on an album, you know, as you've as you've gotten older and, and can look back. I also want to ask you, you said you, you, you're working on a double album next. How's that coming and where exactly do you stand on that? I don't know what that's, I don't know, I'm not going to say that's next, but I'm definitely going to work on the double album. That's why I told the fans, like, you know, just be easy with it. I just let them know what I'm, what, what the plan is. Like, like one of my plans was to do an EP, and one of my plans was to do a double album. But I never said the double album is next. That's why I keep telling people, calm down, about a lot of people got excited about that. So it's like, I don't know if the double album is next, but the double album is definitely something I want to do. I, I'm almost, I almost have an idea of what I want to do, but we'll figure it out. That, that'll that be incredible. So what's your focus going to be, you know, from here on out, man? You're looking at Mega. What's up next for you with Mega? I'm trying to get as many shows as I can in, in, in areas or, or listening, you know what I'm saying, release party events if it's not shows. And 
I just want to connect with the people. Then after that, we got to finish some other projects and try to have another project out by summertime. Yeah, I can't wait to hear all that, man. And and best of luck with Mega Man. Love the project. And I'm really glad you got that out there and that it's doing so well for you. Thank you very much.